Welcome to the What If We Loved podcast with your hosts, Bruce and Shay Mason and Janie Giebelhaus. This is a show where we explore what the love of the Father really looks like. We want to help you enter into a deeper experience of the Father's love so you can better know who God is, who you are, and how to live a life in love every single day. Welcome to the What If We Loved podcast. We're really excited to have a special guest here today. Dr. Carol Peters-Tanksley is an author, speaker, personal coach, licensed OBGYN physician, and ordained doctor of ministry. She holds an MDiv and DMIN from Oral Roberts University and is the founder of Dr. Carol Ministries and host of the Relationship Prescriptions with Dr. Carol podcast. Dr. Carol, thanks for joining us today. Um, we're really excited to um, talk to you. Uh, we want to talk specifically about one of your books today, which is called The Christian's Journey Through Grief, How to Walk Through the Valley with Hope. And Bruce and I have just been reading this book and have been really touched by it. Um, we've walked through a lot of loss this year, and this book is a wonderful, wonderful resource that really has just spoken to our hearts. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there during this holiday season that are struggling with grief. Um, I know it can hit particularly hard Mm -hmm. at times like this when, you know, there's an empty chair at the table where you're very used to seeing someone special. And um, so we'd just like to have a conversation about that today. Yeah. And um, if you can maybe share about how you came to write about this subject. Well, thanks, Shay. Really great to be here. Um, Shay, you were on my podcast a little bit ago, sharing one of your books, and that was such a delightful conversation. I'm really honored to be here. As far as my journey of grief, um, it was about six and a half years ago. Um, I lost my husband. I sometimes say I didn't lose him because I know exactly where he is, <laughs> but he. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, it was not entirely unexpected, and yet it was still a shock. I don't think there's anything that can really prepare you for the experience of grief, even if you know what's coming. There is anticipatory grief, but the loss is just overwhelming. It disrupts everything about you. Um, there were a couple things that kind of surprised me. One was how indescribable pain and honest, irrepressible hope can exist at the same time. The hope does not lessen the pain, and the pain does not extinguish the hope. That's something that may be hard to understand unless you're in the middle of it. Another thing that surprised me was how exhausting the journey is. It took everything out of me. Thankfully, it's, um, it's something that you do go through. You can't go over or around or under or beside. You have to go through it. And you can. The book that you referenced, The Christian's Journey Through Grief, it it draws on my story. It also draws on what I see in Scripture. How do we as believers in Jesus grieve differently? We grieve, but we grieve differently. Mm -hmm. And that difference is what I shared. That's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I, 
what you said about the hope and the pain coexisting yeah. really is something that I've, I've discovered in the past year that it's, you know, it's a paradox in a sense as so many things in the Christian life are that you really can have that hope and even peace while you're still struggling, while you're still feeling deep pain and, and only God can do that. I think it lets you know that that peace and that hope is supernatural, that it can only yeah. come from him. It's almost like being a bit on a razor's edge, isn't it? That you're experiencing the pain and yet there's the hope and then there's, there's the grief at the same time. And, and I know that that is definitely something that I have been experiencing, uh, I think Shay as well, over the past number of months. And it's, it, it is a hard thing to navigate and to make sense of uh, because it is a paradox where one minute you can be feeling one way and another minute you can be feeling another way. You could have this undying hope because you know where your loved one is, certainly if you're a believer. Yeah. Yet at the same time, there is the very tangible and real loss that they are not with you. They're not next to you. You're not, you know, feeling their breath on your cheek or whatever. So it's yeah. a different. So I think it's a very, um, it's something you, you, it's hard to know unless you've walked through it, I guess. That razor's edge, I think that's a very appropriate way to describe it, Bruce. Um, and it is hard to put into words in, in unless you've been there. Um, and the quickness of the flips in your emotional state can kind of be, you know, it can leave you with emotional whiplash, spiritual yeah. whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whiplash because the, the pain will come in a wave like an ambush that just catches you. For me, it was things like I go to the grocery store and I what what do I, what food do I even want to buy? I'm not used to buying without food for my husband. So what, yeah. you know, and just a moment like that would bring an overwhelming ambush of, of of pain, and I'd struggle not to cry, or maybe I would cry, and then you know just just a few minutes later, um, it's like that that would be gone, and there there'd be a moment of peace or hope or, or whatever. And one of the things I learned in that is you kind of have to surf. You can't control those waves. Hmm. I don't think we're supposed to. We're human beings. God understands that. And so there's a, a bit of the journey of grief where you ride the waves. You, you surf the waves and you let it come. You let it wash over you. One of the things I learned is that that wave is not forever. It's okay to feel it. If you don't, it doesn't mean it won't come back. It will. So you might as well just, just, just feel it, let it wash over you. If that means crying, cry. If that means, you know, screaming out or something, you know, it, it, it's okay. Do that. And it will crest and then subside. And that's part of the journey of walking this as human beings. And I love how you emphasize that this is something that Christians have to walk through as well. Yeah. Um, before we jump into that, actually, I just wanted to emphasize uh, something you said that's been important. Just, And that is that, that your book really gives permission. Mm. And, I th and I think that's something that, that I needed jumping into this is that... And, 
that suddenly it, it like everything that I've been thinking and feeling, um, and I think you're the same with this as well, that everything we've been thinking and feeling is, um, is okay. Yeah. That it's, that it's, it's not that there's something wrong with you or that there's somehow you're not doing something right. It's just that this is as much as you can handle in the given moment. And these things are going to happen and that it's, it's better to walk through it than to try to pack it away. Oh, I love that you said that, Bruce. I remember feeling so anxious that I would do the journey of grief wrong. I, I, I didn't want to mess up doing the work of grief because I didn't want it to come back and sabotage me later. I, I've heard stories about unresolved grief and it would come back and bite you. And, and I, I didn't want to do that. And I was really, really anxious for a while that I wouldn't do it right. And I came to understand that's not helpful. You don't have to be anxious that the feelings come when they come. It takes as long as it takes. And that God is not anxious or upset about your journey of grief. Mm. He's not worried about time in the same sense that we are. God understands time. But if it takes one person five months to get to this point in the journey and another person 15 months to get to that point in the journey and another person maybe five years that doesn't worry God he's not <laughs> anxious about it mm-hmm. and we can rest in that yeah and, and that's really good news yeah, yeah that's a great perspective mm-hmm. and and I, I know how you emphasize in your book that everybody's walk is unique the mm-hmm. relationship that you had with your loved one that you lost is it's a unique yeah. relationship, which is why the journey is going to look different for each person. And, and that's really helpful. I think that that can mm-hmm. help us give ourselves grace, mm-hmm. you know, and not yeah. feel tempted to compare our journey with someone else's. Yeah, there's no normal. It's all everyone's different journeys have to have different processes of healing mm-hmm. because you can't. How, how can you rank it in terms of someone else? They have different attachments. They have different everything. Even the multiple people that experience the death of a loved one, um, that same loved one died, but the relationship each child, each sibling, whatever, had with that person, it was a different relationship. So the loss is different, even though it's the same person. And giving yourself grace giving your loved ones grace. Um, yeah. Hmm. God gives us grace. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's giving, being willing to give yourself grace in the process because we can often be our our hardest critics. Certainly. Yes. Particularly if you're a, a, well, if you're a driven person, you just want to get things over with quickly. Let's just get this grieving thing done, but that's just not how it, how it works. (laughs) And then everybody's heart is is different. and I don't mean to, mean to minimize your, your journey, Bruce, or, or, or your shade. I'm chuckling because I remember feeling that way. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I remember saying to God so often, Lord, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like it. There's still moments, even six and a half years later, not as many, but there are still moments when I say that. And Jesus says, you know what? I don't like it either. Hmm. He came to do away with death. He doesn't like death any more than we do. In fact, he hates death 
more than we hate it. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's okay not to like it. That's and a very it, important point. Yeah, I don't know anybody who likes death. <laughs> at least if they're... Healthy, <laughs> like a healthy person. Healthy person. <laughs> right. Now, to Shay's point that she's bringing up a minute ago, that um, you mentioned in your book that that... I don't know if it's in just certain parts of the church or where, but there's there is a sense among some Christians that that now that we are Christians, that really we don't have to grieve, or that we're above grieving, or however I'm not sure the best way to put that. Um, and w- where do you think that came from, or what would you say to that? I I think the triumphalism branch or brand mm-hmm. in some of Christianity has um, has been distorted. I don't know if that's an adequate answer where that came from. Um, But if we look at the experience of the early followers of Jesus, if we look at what Paul said, when I came home from the hospital after uh, my husband's death, I made myself a cup of coffee. It was early on a Sunday morning, like five o'clock on a Sunday morning when I got home. And I poured myself a cup of coffee, and I opened my Bible to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's treatise on death and resurrection. And right there in 1 Corinthians, or it's either there in 1 Thessalonians, I'm blocking on the passage right now. He says, I don't want you to grieve as others who have no hope. Mm -hmm. There is no place in Scripture that says we as Christians do not grieve. Mm -hmm. We do grieve, but we grieve differently. And when we, when we make it about the absence of grief rather than the difference in how we as followers of Jesus grieve, I believe we miss the preciousness of what this journey can bring. That's one word I would want to use about this journey from my vantage point now, six and a half years after my husband's death, is the journey has become a treasure, not that my husband died, but who I became and what God has done in me as a result of the journey of grief has become very valuable. There's a substance in me that God worked through this journey that I would not have otherwise. That doesn't mean it didn't hurt, doesn't hurt, but I have come to the point at which I can value the process that God has taken me through as a result of grief. How would you say that's, that's a, I think would be very encouraging for people to hear. I mean, if you could, if you could share maybe a couple ways that you do feel that you've changed through yeah. this process. Yeah. Um, one, I believe is I've come to truly embrace that this is not as good as it gets. Hmm. It doesn't matter how long my husband lived or could have lived, it would not have been long enough. There is nothing that can make this world good enough. This is not as good as it gets. Hmm. And to let that sink in my soul, to truly embrace what eternity is all about, I am living to the full. I don't want to waste one moment of life here um, in experiencing what is good in in ministry, what God has given me to do. I am taking every moment, but I don't want to stay here one second after my time is done. 
mm-hmm. that once it is over, there is something better. And to believe that at the rock bottom of my soul, it's not that the struggles right now aren't hard, but the eternal weight of glory, the far and exceeding eternal weight of glory that is so much more than anything here, that has become part of me. Mm. And it's like, Nothing moves me now. Uh, There's also a sense that I have changed in having more substance to offer others. Not even necessarily only to those who have lost a loved one, although that's true. And how I feel so deeply, Bruce and Shay, for for the two of you. Um, But there's just a substance in me that's deeper to bring to others, regardless of their struggle. Uh, Just putting this world in perspective. It reminds me of something I heard. I think I had already written the book. I I don't think I put this in the book because I discovered it later. But there were churches in Europe uh, or monasteries in Europe where there was a a cemetery in front of the church or, or, or by the monastery. And they would always leave a grave dug and open. And every day or every week, those who came would walk past that open grave. And it reminded them, uh, your life here is temporary. Mm -hmm. It changes how I live today. Uh, You can have a fatalistic attitude about that. I don't believe that's how God intended it to be. But having that perspective makes what I offer the world actually richer. And also I care less about what other people think. Hmm. And probably a lot less about meaningless things. I think it puts life in perspective of, wow, this is the goal of life. Mm -hmm. You know, these things are not these superficial gains. Yeah. What are the things of substance that last? Yeah, perspective is really the big word. You hear stories of people who come back from uh, sort of near-death experiences and their whole perspective on life is changed because they just value things differently. And, um, and I know that it, in your book you talk about how the way you think about God and the way that you're just, that when you go through the journey of grief, you are changed. Yes. There's really no way around that one. Um, Correct. And there's a change for the better, and I suppose there could be a change for the worse, depending on whether or not you walk through grief with that paradox of hope right alongside it as well or not. Yeah. You cannot go through the experience of grief and not be changed. I believe that's exactly right. And part of that is your experience with God, your relationship with God will change. It can become deeper and richer. Um, You could become bitter and walk away, but that's not the only option. It can actually become deeper and richer. I believe my relationship with God has become deeper and richer as a result of this journey. Um, There are moments, I believe, when I have heard his voice and learned to hear his voice more clearly as a result of this journey. I take myself a little less seriously in my relationship with God. I think I have become better at following rather than trying to tell God what I want him to do. Right. That's like really great. Mm-hmm. That's, That's interesting that you, you said that you think you've become better at hearing God's voice. And um, that 
brings me to one of the questions that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, in your book, there, I just pulled a quote from it that I thought was so good because um, I've felt this myself and I, I've talked to other people who have felt the same. You write, at times it may be very difficult to hear his voice or feel his presence. The emotions of grief can be like clouds that cover the sun. He hasn't gone away, but your ability to see or hear him can be obstructed by grief. That's only human. So what would you say to people who find themselves in that place where they're just struggling? Like, God, where are you in this? Yeah. Keep asking. Hmm. I see in scripture that God's very best friends asked him their hardest questions. Hmm. The why questions. The where are you? Where were you? How could you? What do I do? All of those hardest questions, what God's friends did is bring those questions to him. That's what you do with those questions. I would encourage people who feel like they're not hearing God's voice to keep bringing those questions to God. You point your questions to him and then don't run away. All the angst, whether it's tears or anger or frustration or pain, whatever it is, bring that, as it were, to the door of the throne room. Lay it all out. Don't hold anything back. Lay your soul bare in all all its raw ugliness. And then, as the emotional wave crests, usually there will be a, a, a lessening. The, the intensity of the emotions will kind of subside a little bit. And many people may be tempted to, okay, get up and, and leave and go about whatever else you're going to be doing. My encouragement is to stay there a little longer. Mm-hmm. Let your soul become still. It's in that. It's those, in those moments of stillness when you start to hear God's voice. I remember wishing that I could tell God when to speak. I need to hear you, so please speak. <laughs> and he usually doesn't respond that way. But when I could let my soul get still, those were the moments when his voice can show up. And this was a huge part of the process in how I learned that, to stay there just a little longer when my soul could become still. And that's when I may be able to hear his voice. And that's a a real challenge for, well, I'll speak for myself. It's a challenge for me, but for, for many people to take that extra time to be still and rest. Sometimes it can almost feel, and this is obviously a terrible way to look at it, wasteful of time to stop, but that's the world's perspective on it. Um, But I think that's so important to take the time being very intentional about it to take yeah. that time because God does speak so often in, in, in the quiet with the whisper. It may not be lengthy quantities of time. Mm-hmm. It may start with three minutes. How many of us have allowed our soul to be still for three minutes? Mm. Very rare in our world. Um, your soul needs practice in stillness. The, Early followers of Jesus developed that as a as a rhythm, and we have lost a lot of that in our rushed modern culture. Mm-hmm. So just to develop your internal capacity to be still, start with two or three minutes, and then your 
folk, your ability to focus and be still can improve. And then you can stretch that out a bit to longer. And I love what you said too about asking God the tough questions because, and I noticed this earlier when you were talking too, to be honest with ourselves seems like the precipice of breakthrough a lot of times. To be honest with ourselves on what questions we actually have for God instead of masking them and just having the perfect Christian answer. And then also being honest with ourselves about where am I at? Am I actually in a bad place right now? What do I actually need? And I, that's just what's coming through on the way that you've broken through and the way that other people have broken through. There's just such an honesty with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think there could have been so many times that you wrote in your book, just the cliche and so powerful that you didn't. Well, thank you. Um, what I sometimes encourage people to do is write a letter to Jesus. If your uh, standard way of praying, whether it's sitting or on your knees or, or whatever, if your standard way of praying, if you feel just disconnected, um, try writing. If you could see Jesus in the room with you, what would you want to say to him? Try writing it out as a letter to him. Just the physical act of having a pen in your hand and writing it down helps clarify your thoughts. It involves your body in a little bit of a greater dimension and your body needs to come to the party here. Mm. And bringing all those parts of you as a package into God's presence can be, can be really helpful. Your emotions, your body, your angst, um, all of it, and writing can be one way to do that. Another way is going outside, taking a walk, moving your body, throwing rocks, hitting <laughs> stuff. It's fine. Do it. That God invites us to be real with him. So, yeah. I love the practicality of that because I think that that's something that anyone can do. You know, we can all pick up a pen and we can write a letter or we can journal. I know that journaling has been super helpful in this process for for Bruce yeah definitely and it's just it's good to know that there are practical things we can do I'm thinking especially right now is you know in the rush up to Christmas when it really should be more of a reflective season and oftentimes we find that it isn't but if you're struggling with grief that that pace can become almost unbearable and you need to find ways to, to step into that stillness. Mm-hmm. And so just, just sitting down and, and writing a letter, not writing a letter to Santa, or <laughs> writing a letter to Jesus. And, I think that's great. In your case, Shay, you like to draw. I draw. So I will sit down and draw way. just to get my emotions out. Yes. As or better, as good or better than writing is, is some of that creativity and that, that would come in drawing. Absolutely. You mentioned Christmas, um, and I, I, I do want to comment on that. There's something about a season like Christmas that may make ambushes of grief heavier and harder than at other, other times, because there are special moments that you treasured with your loved one around a holiday such, such as Christmas, and it's appropriate to honor that. You may be surprised at how uh, it ambushes you, things that you might not have anticipated. And so 
I just want to, again, give permission during a, a special season such as Christmas or other anniversaries, the first year, the second year, important dates, it's appropriate to, to pause and honor and respect what that day signifies and give your heart some time to catch up. That's so good because I, I know my birthday was two days ago. This was my first mm -hmm. birthday without my dad and we celebrated mm -hmm. with my mom. But I thought I was really doing okay until the day arrived and it felt like an ambush. You're right. That yep. was that was the word, the, the grief hit me. Like I knew in my head that it could hit me then. I've read enough about it. But somehow I was still surprised when yep. there it was right there on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Shay, because I think that kind of experience is relatively common, whether it's a birthday or some other significant date. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you, since we're talking about Christmas, and um, obviously at Christmas we're surrounded by our relatives, um, maybe friends, people around us, maybe some people who have not experience the same loss in the same way that we have um and we all have different you know, needs for connection and what do you do um and, and how do you relate with people who are just not going to quite get it yeah. so you're you yourself you're needing comfort you're needing people to so empathize with you and yet there's a certain capacity that they won't be able to have because it's not their experience. Or they the need to way. understand that you need space. Well, yeah, it could be that too, yeah. Yeah. Um, realize that most people are well-meaning, but that they have not had your experience. And so my encouragement to somebody would be take what can be good and let go what is not have an open hand, um, realize that you do need both connection and solitude. Um, isolation is not healthy. You need solitude, that's different than isolation. You also need connection. Um, people who spend all the time around other people may not be getting enough solitude, you need both. And so you have you have the right, in fact, I would say you have the responsibility to pay enough attention to what your own heart needs that you make intentional choices about how much time you spend with people, about who you spend time with, perhaps especially in the early year or two when those anniversaries and, and something such as Christmas are so tender that you own what you're heart needs and worry less about what other people will think. And if they don't understand, they don't understand. Um, know who your people are who can support you. And don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I had a, um, a, a client who was coming up on the third anniversary of her husband's death. And I helped her walk through who are the people she wants to connect with on that day? Some people wouldn't understand, but she had two or three people in her life that were healthy and good and could be supportive. And we talked through what would proactively making a healthy connection when she needed it look like. I think we can all do that. 
It's not that anybody else can fill us up. They can't soothe that that empty place. Mm-hmm. But reaching out for appropriate connection can be there. And then I would also say, allow God to meet those needs. There is no other human being who can be with you 24-7, 365 for the rest of your life. It's only God who can be there every two o'clock in the morning when you make up and feel alone. Every time you want to pick up the phone and call your dad and he's not there. Um, He is uh, always available. Make him part of your journey. That's one of the big encouragements that I ask people to embrace in this book is take Jesus with you on the journey Mm -hmm. through grief. Make him part of it. The the okay times and the horrible times, all of it. Just imagine him walking that with you because he is the only one that truly does understand in every way. Yeah, I love that. That's such wise counsel. Yeah, he walked through it in his own human experience, having people um, that he loved die. Uh, Yes. But also then he experienced death itself yes uh, and overcame it so he he is uniquely qualified <laughs> uniquely capable yeah. and frankly the best um that we can possibly ever hope for to be with us in the time of grief so that is so absolutely so important this is not an intellectual exercise of just stuffing bible verses in your left brain it's bringing your right brain to the party too. And that left brain, right brain spit is such an oversimplification, but mm-hmm. it helps us understand some things. Um, the other parts of your system need to come along too. And that's what it can mean to have Jesus walk this journey with you. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. That's very much in the language of our normal podcasts. That's <laughs> <laughs> right where we are. Yeah. It's like walking out this path of grief, it's not sort of walking out religion, it's really relationship. It's, it's living in that place of relationship and that's how you're gonna come through it. Couldn't have said it better, Bruce, right on. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> well, Dr. Carroll, I would love for you to um, share about how people can um, get some of your resources. How can they find you online? Uh, the hub for all our stuff is drcarolministries.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L ministries, plural, dot com. And you'll find our, our books, blog, podcast, all of that there. That's probably the, the one place to point people. The book, The Christian's Journey Through Grief, it's available in our store at, on our website, or you can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And then um, I also would mention that we do have a free resource, a 30-day email devotional series based on some of the key scriptures from this book, The Christian's Journey Through Grief, and it's free. We'll make that uh, link available so that you can share with listeners in in the show notes or or however, Mm -hmm. and that's just a simple link. You give us your email address, and then that devotional shows up every day for 30 days in your inbox, just to kind of give you some some bite-sized nuggets. When you're walking through grief, your brain can only take so much at a time. And these are small bite-sized nuggets 
uh, based on scripture and then a short thought and prayer to help you take some forward steps in walking this journey with Jesus through your grief. Mm, that's so good. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. We didn't really have time to talk about uh, what our brain does during this process. Maybe we'll save that for another time. But uh, certainly things get forgotten very quickly. <laughs> your brain <laughs> can only handle so much. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. Your, your brain is scrambled. And yeah. I say to people, the reason they tell you not to make any big decisions in the first year after a significant death is because your brain can't handle it. It really honestly can't. It's okay. It will get better. Right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I thought maybe we could close together in a prayer. So let's pray. Yes. Father, thank you for the encouragement that we've heard today, the encouragement that comes from you and from your heart. Thank you that you're not a God who is far away, that you are never far away, that even if we might feel like you're not close, you're as close as ever. And Father, I thank you uh, that even in this very moment, uh, for those of you who are listening right now who may be walking through a time of grief, I thank you, Father, that you are there with them, loving them, comforting them, and filling them with all that you are. Father, I thank you for Dr. Carol, for the journey, uh, the life, the testimony that she has to offer. Thank you for the ways that you have blessed her and blessed so many people through her. We pray, Father, for uh, the wisdom that she has received from you uh, to be imparted to many. And God, we pray also as this holiday season now is coming upon us, we pray for those uh, who are listening who aren't listening as well, uh, who may never hear this. Still, we pray, Father, that they will experience, as I prayed before, your nearness. Come, Holy Spirit. I really sense now in my spirit your desire to pour out your comfort upon upon all of us right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we, we give you uh, praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. We thank you that you walked this road ahead of us, that you went through it personally for us. And now because of all you've done, we now can live and live to the fullness, live in abundance and also live in the reality of who we are as your sons and daughters. Loving Father. So we thank you for this time, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank, Amen. You, thank you so much, Dr. Carroll, for joining us today. This is really, it's been a balm to our hearts, I know. Definitely. And, and I believe it will be to many others. Mm -hmm. So bless you, and... Um, I just pray that you have a wonderful Christmas. Well, thank you. I so appreciate this. And may Jesus be the comfort to you, Shay, you, Bruce, and to everyone listening who needs comfort. May Jesus be the comfort that only he can to your hearts, especially this Christmas. 
Thank you so much. And that's it for today's podcast. We'll, I'm not sure when the next one will be, but we'll talk to you all soon, I'm sure. We will be back in the new year. All right, yeah. in the new year. That's right. Have a wonderful holiday. Christmas, everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the What If We Loved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and also leave us a rating. It really helps us get the word out there. For more information about our ministry, Love Inside Out, please visit our website at loveinsideout.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.